always like an average student and had like terrible ADHD. Coffee, I, I like, it gets the brain going. Yeah. I have tried to wean off of it because I don't want it not to work when I need it. We are drowning in a sea of overstimulation and digital distractions. Overstimulated. Welcome back to Overstimulated, the podcast where we talk about a, a, yeah, about a lot of things <laughs> and not a lot of time. I'm Cameron. I have with me today Gabe Honert and Sophia Murphy, my co-hosts. Um, we don't have any guests today because we technically are the guests. Um, we're going to be talking about Up and Up Festival and basically promoting their uh, upcoming concert pre-sale that we will be having here on Tuesday. Um, so I guess for context, Gabe here is the events manager for Up and Up and then Sophia is the VP slash works on social media and I'm the president. So um, we're going to be talking about a lot of what Up and Up does. We've had some questions sent in from people that um, are kind of confused as to what it is um, and things along that line. So starting off, you probably have heard, if you're in Greek like Greek life, you probably heard that we sponsored a three-way darty last weekend with a lot of Beast Unleashed, which is Monsters um, alcohol brand um, at this event. And um, we basically, people were like, why Why was Up and Up sponsoring this? Or like, what does Up and Up do? Like, I thought they just did concerts. So basically, we are a promotion company. And there's about 60 to 65 schools, I believe, involved in Up and Up. And so you're, you're basically competing to get a concert spot um, each semester. Um, a headliner agrees, like signs a contract, agrees to um, go to five different schools, five or six different schools, it depends, um, and perform. And so basically all 65 schools are uh, trying to sell as many t- tickets as possible during pre-sale, and they don't take your money out until you win. So the pre-sale is 48 hours long. Um, it starts this Tuesday, September 12th, um, and it goes until Thursday. And the hope is that, well, at least what Miami usually does is the, we sell out within what? Sometimes 10 minutes, sometimes like less. We try to sell out really quickly and then we're done and then we get, um, a concert. Um, but basically your, your money goes right back to you if you don't win. So if you don't sell the top five amount of tickets out of 65 schools, then your money goes back on your credit card if you bought a ticket. So, yeah, as president, I kind of, I do, I work like a lot with recruiting and um, work with like organizing events and overseeing um, different aspects to the social media and to just about anything else that falls under up and up. But to go alongside what we normally do with the, um, concerts that we throw once a semester um we try to get our name out there and try to promote monster energy a lot so you'll see us at like parties darties we'll be promoting like outside of brick street sometimes with tabling and things like that um passing out free stuff kind of just doing a mix of things to get monsters name out there and get them some name recognition and try to get up and up some name recognition. So 
Um, I don't know when it started, but it kind of became relevant here like five years ago, I believe. Five years ago, as of this year, was the first time we won a concert. And we have won six since then. Um, but yeah, Sophia is my VP. So, Soph, do you want to talk a little bit about what you do for Up and Up and how you got your start and what your interest is in like music and promotion and marketing? Yeah, so last year I applied um, and I like didn't honestly like wasn't sure if I was like going to get in or not just because I was like actually nervous about it. Um, but clearly like my interview, I did a good job and then I got in and, and last year I wasn't like as involved as involved as I am now. Um, but like being VP now and like having like a big commitment, like is so much fun. And like, I'm so glad that I actually am a lot more involved than I was last year. Um, but basically I wasn't like the street team last year, which is like helping with like the events. But then I moved over to social media and that's like a lot more up my alley because I like it's so much fun making like the memes and like the random stuff that we post on there. So especially when like you get a lot of engagement, it like makes me feel so good about myself. Oh, yeah. So, it's like rewarding when you have oh, yeah. something that gets reposted on like Red Hot Barstool Red Hawks or yeah. whatever the fuck, like all those different accounts that do. Sim- post similar stuff mm. to what we post but. yeah it's just like nice like seeing people actually interact with their content and like thinking it's entertaining because that's the goal um and then you said music interest i love edm so obviously having favorite edm artist um noctil <laughs> top three top uh, five what other i guess what other genres are you interested in besides oh um, edm like i kind of like rap but like at the same time, I don't know. Like, I mainly only listen to EDM anymore. Like, I'm completely, like, switched over to full EDM all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I could probably sleep to listening to EDM. Like, I wouldn't even be surprised. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Very Don't nice. <laughs> Gabe Honor, a.k.a. DJ Jeeb. What do you do for events team? Besides listen to me. Yeah, no, as a... Being the event team manager, I pretty much just listen to Cam. So, I mean, whenever we do get stuff going, I don't know, I kind of just recruit, like, five people to just do, like, stupid publicity things or hand out flyers. Mainly, like, the last thing we did last semester was the flyers. That's, like, the main thing street team can do. Or, I guess, like, trying to organize an event with, like, brick or something like that. Oh, that's one – yeah. One thing we've done in the past, which has turned out to be really – honestly unsuccessful is the flyering stuff like it's just so annoying that we spend all the time to like set all these flyers out in dorms and put it in inside people's rooms and shit which we're low-key not supposed to do anyway but we do it like the night before pre-sale and then all of it just gets thrown away by like janitors within 10 minutes but um it's nice to just have grown such a social media presence here that we can get most of our word out there that way rather than over like paper, like setting out a ton of whatever tents at fight out gates and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, we have some questions sent in by some people that aren't an up and up that we thought would be interesting to address. So the first one is how do we benefit the org or how do 
how do they benefit the organization of most are free events? Okay. Um, I think I briefly touched on that earlier. Um, we benefit because the company gets publicity. Um, so like for example, we sponsor a three way darty. Um, and we have Gabe DJing and we have, um, like the up and up flag on the booth and we set out the beast unleashed, uh, monster drinks and monster energy and all that stuff. And then we get AJ, our photographer, videographer, or Ellie who also works on our photography team, um, to take pictures and get a lot of media stuff that we can use for our socials and that we send into monster and up and up to use for their socials. And it, um, is like a good look for their social media accounts. Um, can you hire up and up for a rental or party? <laughs> um, I would say n no. I mean, we haven't really been asked that question. No. I mean, I don't know. We sponsor things. I mean, we sponsor things, but like the recent party, people can like pay us to come. They can like ask for us to sponsor them, and then we like maybe will. Yeah, like the recent party, we we sponsored them with like a bunch of free merch and a bunch of free stuff. And then we also had like what, $700 worth of free, like monster unleashed like, booze yeah. stuff for 21 up people. They all had wristbands. Huh? They had wristbands. Yeah. No. Yeah. Everyone was there drinking 21. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, how many members are there? I believe we have 15 members. Um, and then, so the, basically the chain of order, the way that it works is I have the, the top of the food chain is in Denver. I believe it's based out of Denver, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, there's a, there's a group of guys that co-founded it and then, um, they kind of oversee everything and they give you they oversee like proposals and stuff. So if we send in proposals like, Oh, we want $700 worth of booze for this, this party that we're sponsoring, they oversee that and give us the funding. Then below that is the managers that manage, um, each like five schools. I believe there's like, I don't know, probably seven to 10 managers that manage five different or five different schools each. And they kind of oversee any of your questions about like, logistics and social media or anything like that and then um so that would be kelsey that would be our like superior and she lives in denver so we just communicate with her um like all virtually over zoom meetings text everything like that and then there's me and then there is um sophia who's my vp and then there is gabe and reese who are our social media managers and event managers and then we have i believe like eight or nine ambassadors after that keep fumbling the mic i do yeah no you're fine um so yeah but uh the next question we have how do we keep performing so well compared to up and up to other schools given that they are not alabama or a huge state school or that we are not i would say it's basically because of miami's like close-knit community that all are bored and they like to go out and drink on Tuesday nights, mm -hmm. which you don't get at a ton of state schools because people are busy. But here there's like literally nothing to do besides go out. So we, whenever we put up a concert here, people usually buy tickets and they usually go. Um, and it's all business majors there usually. But <laughs> um, yeah, 
let's see what other questions we have. Um, I think that's basically it. So now we're going to, I think that's basically all I really have about up and up specifically, but um, a lot of the other things that I want to talk about are basically how did like how DJing works in Oxford and the music scene and EDM and things like that, which I want to give Gabe a lot of questions about. So um, Gabe is a Brick Street resident DJ, I would say, performs, what, a few times a month at Brick. Um, you want to just talk about like your come up or like how you got to be where you are right now in such a quick amount of time compared to like other people? Yeah. So I started summer going into sophomore year and just about like any music stuff too. It doesn't have to just be. Yeah. I'll, I'll start with like the come up first. Yeah. So I started DJing summer going into sophomore year and I had someone that was teaching me. He was already a brick resident DJ. He's my grand big in my fraternity. So I already had someone that had like a lot of experience because the only other way to learn would it be like look up YouTube videos and like you're just going to go like a bunch of like spazzed out like coked out YouTubers that are like super excited to be showing you how to DJ and like they just overcomplicate the fuck out of it because like to be Mm -hmm. real with you like be like being a good DJ is like not having amazing mixing skills. I mean, that's like really cool if you can do that. But like your only worry should be like, what song am I playing next? So like mixing in reality, like isn't it that hard unless you like want to get fancy with it. And it like at that point during the summer, I just want to learn how to mix. So over the summer, I probably like within that two months, um, I got like basic for mixing and then we came back and our paternity had a few parties. So I got to like, test myself out like in front of a crowd and i say like that's like probably the next hurdle you got to get over is like you're playing to a bunch of kids that like all have like different music tastes and i'll get back to that whenever we get to like brick but like that was something else i had to get used to was like performing in front of a crowd you kind of just eventually realize that like no one's actually really paying attention to you they're just listening to the music so i don't take anything like super personally and then Mm -hmm. Probably the first step in the right direction was I started DJing at New Bar. And that was Yeah. Like those kids want to bite you. Like they they're they're very aggressive. And Shanks, right? Well yeah, and Shanks. Well that was like so my like I was only an opener at New Bar. They give me like the hour before like the main DJ came on. I say main in quotes because it's no headliner. Yeah. But um yeah so i'd play like an hour before that and like kids just kind of like funneled in in small groups like at max i would maybe see like 50 people and then the one time they gave me an extra hour like i had people jumping into the booth like trying to like break my shit at new bar or yeah no at new bar and then when i went to chanks which is like still was chanks is probably like one of my like most favorite shows ever because it was fun they basically take the pool tables what was it just one time or was it several? I only played sides? at Shanks once. Okay. So that was just like my first full show as a DJ. I had like a really like scrappy set. Like it was just random songs that like couldn't really be mixed together well. So I was just doing like simple transitions, like echoing it out. And they like pushed the pool tables together and put a piece of plywood on them. So that's your booth. And they give you like a foldable table. So like, and at this point I was using the DDJ 200. So I did not have like a high tech board. It was the one that's like maybe the size of like, no, it was if, a if they're listening to it, they can't see it, but like maybe the size of like my lap. 
Like I could place it right here and I could play right now if I wanted to. But I played on that and it, that was a really good, like cool experience because I mean, Chanks only had like 70 people there, which at that point was what I was used to. And I had like a kid come up to me after the show and he was like, I've never seen you DJ before. Like you did great. Like you're my favorite. And I was like, okay. And like, it sounds like dumb, but like when random kids come up to you and they're like, Hey, I really enjoyed the set. Like, I hope to see you more often. Like, it, like that's like why I play. Besides, like, pub- like publicity purposes, but like, it really besides, is like, nice. Wanting clout and money. Yeah, exactly. But like, I don't know. Like, it makes you want to keep going whenever that happens. But so after that, after Chanks, um, they kept like having me open. So then I just like kind of got fed up. So then I eventually joined Up and Up, and my first like probably big show was at like Brick as an opener for Audion. And then there was one before that one was just like a Tuesday, but like I'd say like the one for Audion was a little bit bigger. I got to like play in front of a crowd, that was really nerve wracking. Like my heart was racing before I went up there, and it was a really good experience. But when I came off, I was like, "Fuck!" Like that crowd wasn't big enough. Like you just like get in your head a lot. Like if you want to be a DJ, like the one thing I can tell you is do not get on Yik Yak after your show because like even if ninety nine percent of like people loved it, that one percent's on Yik Yak shitting on you so you know just oh that's just like so yeah and like i don't take that to heart but like even cam told me he was like don't go on yikak after your shows like i used to do that and it just tears you apart so i'd leave yikak but um you'll actually do that that's so weird yeah they'll just like i don't know i do it yikak like seven months ago because that shit is just in like what february post rush yeah a big issue with yikak is that people post whatever they want so they it'll be like making here at least at miami the big issue is making shit up about greek organizations bro like name dropping it's like, so bad too like actually yeah. like it can like really start shit about yeah. people and like people believe it because like they have nothing else to do but believe it but exactly they yeah. just make shit up about like a person or a greek organization yeah. and people just believe it or take it for a fact right. and then like the university has to take it seriously yeah those so then like you just get the investigation yeah, uh-huh. go yeah. under investigation, all that bullshit. And now you can post videos on it. Yeah, that's a which is a worst huge issue. That was the worst thing ever. Yeah, right. but anyway, continue. Yeah, so I'll continue. So, um, after Audion, um, I like completely left New Bar. They like texted me for a show, and I just like no showed because I was like, I'm done opening up for people that like I'm Our on assholes. par with. No, because oh. <laughs> I thought you were talking about the kids that like tried to jump the, jump in the booth and all that. Stuff. No, it's not even the crowd. It's like. Everybody that plays a new bar, like I met all of them, like super nice guys. Like they're all like talented DJs, but like at that point, my skills were on par with theirs and it just like felt unfair that I'd been opening up for so long. And like the only show I got was Chanks and that's because they had nobody. So then I was like, well, fuck that. I'm going to leave and I'm going to go to brick. And then when next time they invite me, I'm going to say, no, it's gonna be super satisfying. (laughs) So that was my goal. But I mean, in that meantime, I kind of just, um, I started like buying new record pools getting subscriptions where i can pull music if anybody that doesn't know a record pool is what djs pay for like monthly and it gives you like songs that aren't actually released it's like all the remixes that people make they can upload it here they get like small amounts of money but like the shit that you hear at the bar first of all this is a huge myth buster i'm gonna drop on everybody it's gonna be a nuke (laughs) but yeah when a dj is up there he's not making that music live people ask me all the time they're like that was a great set how long did that take you i go 30 minutes to download it all and like people were thinking that i'm up there playing the piano the guitar the fucking wind chime like playing it all at once and they're like oh that drop was crazy how'd you do that i'm like i didn't touch shit like i just like let it play and i like act like i'm doing shit like that's really the thing it's like basically like shows like showmanship but 
Where was I? I got on a little ramp. Oh, yeah. So basically, I just played at like small little parties for our frat. Like I did our Halloween party. It was all like fun. And then I finally got like I, in the meantime, also, I was kind of just going to brick on Tuesdays, which for anybody that doesn't know is the most dead day. There's like no one there. So I was basically yeah. playing like an empty crowd. Like my friends from home came up once to watch and they like thought it was super cool. Like you had to play on like the giant ass speakers. It's like 12 JBL stack on top of each other. And that's just the front. And then you got like booming speakers in the back. You got like bass receptors. It's, it shit's nuts. So I got to like kind of get that feel for it. And then Cam, who was the one that taught me, let me open up for him once. And for like the first time ever, like there was a big crowd there and I got to play like not like super hype songs, but kind of just like bringing the crowd in. Cause that's like, that was my job as an opener. And then I'd say like the set that like made me super happy and knew that I was going to be like pursuing it as like that, like brick was my goal was, um, Josh texted me on green beer day after our green beer day party where I opened up for shipwreck and I got to meet him. It was like super fun time. He texted me. He's like, Hey, my DJ bailed. I need you to like play green, like green beer day. And I was like, well, green beer day is going to be dead because everybody's been up since 5 AM. There's gonna be no one here. So I went to Brick and set up my stuff and like I played for like 30 minutes, slowly bringing a crowd in. And then all of a sudden, like I just like look up and the entire dance floor is filled. And I just started like playing some like super fun music, like my set that I had prepared for like, I had like been putting together a set ever since I had started of like, these are the songs that I'm going to play at Brick. These are going to be great. So I started playing some of those. And everybody's having a great time. And then uh, Josh comes up and he's like, wow, didn't expect the crowd to get that big. And, you know, it gives me like his super like <laughs> passive aggressive, like you did good, but I'm not going to tell you. So, I mean, I was pretty oh, yeah. flattered. So it's, like, so it's like you didn't do too bad. Yeah, it's like he's like, nice crowd. Like didn't sound too bad. And I'm like, thanks, Josh. Like, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, that sounds mm-hmm. good. Yeah, but then um, I don't know. I kind of kept just doing that. I ended up like opening for Cam a lot more. And then like this semester last Saturday or two Saturdays ago, I got that first big set was that last saturday i think it was last saturday yeah and i played the entire four hour set uh aj was there we got some really cool videos um the crowd was amazing very reactive to every single song and like when i came down like i was just having people like compliment me and it's like butter me up yeah like i'm the best but yeah but you can't let you can't let it get to your head but even before that like um, I'd be like walking on the street now and like some dude will just come up to me and like dab me up and be like, what's up Jeep? And I'm like, who the fuck are you? And yeah. he's like, he's like, like I had some kid come up to me like, and this was like even before this set, they just like watched me open and they were like, somebody came up and he's like, yo, you're the DJ at Brick, right? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I love you. And I went, who are you? And he's like, that doesn't matter. And he walks off and I was like, I mean, that's kind of cool. <laughs> like yeah, Someone just funny. came up to me and said that, but like, it's kind of creepy, but like I've had that happen a few times. Like I feel like a small town celebrity, even though no one knows my actual name, but like, I don't know. It's just kind of fun to be able to like for like four hours like, out of a weekend, pretend like, I don't know, you're like sick or something and <laughs> play a bunch of music. Like you feel cool. Like you feel awesome. Like the lights are going, the music's going, you're just having a great time. And I thought like, that's like what I wanted. And I don't know in the future, like I, I just got into producing like this summer and it's been Wait, kind of a slow that, rise. Before we talk talk about producing, I want to get into Green Beer Day. Right. Like more into that. So for anyone that doesn't know, Shipwreck is like a would you base house? I would consider it base they house. They are very duo. tropical house or if just flat out house. It's just beats and claps with a little bit of synths in it. Okay. And so you the fall is the, trance house though. The fall. The only did the chain smokers, that's trance house. Yeah. So the fall by the chain smokers and shipwreck is there biggest song to date has like what 30 million streams on spotify i think it's like 40 million now 
Okay. Something At least like a hundred of those are me. Yeah. Though. I love that song. So our fraternity got shipwreck in and I think a lot of people had a lot of questions about like how we even pulled this off. So basically if you're interested in music and all that stuff, then yeah, let's listen to this. I think, I think it's pretty interesting. So basically the way it works is you can either, uh, beat gig is a company that you can book, uh, art artists through like directly. Um, and they get a percentage of the money that the artist is getting paid. So you can use either BGig or you can reach out directly to the, not the label, it's to the like agency or something that signed um, the artist. And so our current social chair reached out to the agency and asked how much shipwreck would be to come to the fraternity for a show. And at the time, they've played, what, Coachella, like, Lala, like, they played pretty big they hadn't sets played, They then. hadn't played at Lala right. yet, but that was, like, their biggest thing to date. Like, getting, like, as a DJ, your biggest thing can be, like, <laughs> sorry, excuse me, <clears throat> like, getting invited to Lollapalooza or, like, Tomorrowland. Like, any big EDM festival, if you get, like, even if you're the microscopic name on the bottom, you just beat out, like, the 99.9%. Right. Like, you, like you made East, it. EDC, right? Hmm? EDC in Miami is one is yeah. like one of the bigger ones, too. I think She'll know more. Out. I mean, she goes to all the festivals. Yeah. I've only been to one. You've only been to one? What was that? Yeah, Breakaway in Columbus. But, like, Breakaway, oh, like, Oh, wasn't tours. that, like, a week ago? <laughs> Two weeks ago, yeah. Okay, nice. But, like, they, like, tour, like, all around. What's like the stereotype for like EDM girls? Because I see like everybody goes to those festivals and like. <laughs> that was another thing I wanted to talk about. You did? Is that like some people are like, oh, it gets a bad rep because everyone does, everyone does Molly and stuff when they go to the shows, but they don't do that. But like they do do that. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, where were we at? So we were at agencies and shipwreck and everything like that. Um. So we got them for we agreed on a contract price of what ten thousand I believe or ten or twelve thousand um, for them to come, and they are obligated to do a two hour set like I believe is what it was or unless hour and a half ninety down. minute set ninety minute set unless it gets shut down by the cops yeah which is very common for things like this to yeah. occur in Oxford so it's a big risk but anyway so um, basically with that 10 or $12,000, that doesn't even include all the production stuff, which we agree to do all on our own. And so they give you a rider, which is like this. It's this two page sheet. It's called a rider, like an equipment rider. And it has everything on there that you are like legally obligated to provide to them. And if you don't provide one of those things to them, it could cause like a big issue. So you have to provide all these lights and CDJ. What is it? They're CDJ 2000. Okay. So like on that on shipwrecks, four. it was like they we need four, four of them yeah. and then the middle mixer. So, and you rent those because I mean CDJs is like I think it's like 250 for each one of the um actual like like not mixers the uh, the discs pretty much that have like all your music stored on it and stuff like that. And then the mixer itself is like 300 because that's to connect all of them. 300 dollars. Sorry, 3,000. Oh, I was gonna say yeah, those yeah. things are fucking expensive. So we illegally rented. Twenty thousand dollars worth of like DJ equipment, and the reason I say illegally? illegally is because in order to rent all this equipment, like really expensive DJ equipment, you have to have a um, what's that form called again? It's basically a legal form, uh, COI. It's called a certificate of insurance. So you have to have a COI that 
um, tells everyone or not tells everyone tells the company that you have insurance that is properly going to cover that equipment if it gets damaged. And so we forged that and cause we, we didn't like our fraternity refused to cover, um, $23,000 for the DJ equipment that DJs were playing on. So we like, I don't know, forged one and, and ended up working. Thank God. Cause otherwise it could have ended in a big lawsuit or some stuff like that. Those CDJs are damn near instruct, like, like instructable though. Instructable. Indestructible. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, like, the, like those things are designed like literally for like the desert. Like they can like the heat sensors on them. Like they can skyrocket and these things will prefer, like perform perfectly fine. I think they're also like partially waterproof. Has, yeah, like, all, like most of the stuff sealed off idiots, inside. Like, spill drinks on them and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. But like also like raining festivals, like they won't like shut down a festival if it's like pouring down rain. Cause like usually the booth's like covered, but like even if like water gets in it, like it should be fine. Yeah. I don't know. I don't own one can't afford that no and so we rented all this equipment got all the production ready and all this stuff and um we were obligated to go pick them up at the airport or get them like an uber black or something like that but basically they were staying in cincinnati had to get them to the venue which is the fraternity house and then you have to um have like all their food and like all these odd requests and stuff like ready for them, like a 12 pack of like unsweetened gold peak tea or like some bullshit like that. And then, um, they go on for 90 minutes and then they leave. And then I, you were the opener, right? Right. And were you the only opener? No, it was me and cam. Okay. So was cam like after you or before shipwreck? Yeah. We were just kind of like doing it back and like doing it together. Yeah. Because like with me having two CDJs on my side and him having it, like we could basically have our own board on each side. But yeah, I was up 40 hours straight that day, Green Beer Day, because we're also, if you work at Brick Street, you have to work a shift that Green Beer Day. So I was up literally from 8, uh, let's see, 8 a.m. Tuesday to like, no, 8 a.m. Wednesday to like, no, wait, fucking Tuesday, 8 a.m. Tuesday to like fucking five or six p.m. the next like next Wednesday or something like that so it was it was a lot of it was a huge pain in the ass but it was awesome it was awesome for like an awesome opportunity for Gabe to like perform for a pretty big artist like yeah I'd be like the only place well I mean we, I opened up for Audion and Audion's way bigger I mean he didn't kill the lights is yeah people that don't even know that like that song's like EDM love that song so are those the two like bigger names that you've opened for now yeah, and then hopefully Dr. Fresh when he comes up. So how what like what advice do you have to people that are trying to get into the DJ scene here or like complaining because oh I've been at New Bar for a year but I can't like I just can't get into brick. Like I always reach out to Josh and I just don't get answers and like it's a it's something that people like ask. Right. Like so weekly. Um I mean, the entirety of the music scene is, like, ends. Because, like, in reality, like, I don't know. Your skills can be, like, through the roof admit, like with mixing. But, like, who's to say that the other bar gives a shit, right? Like, I don't know. Kids can, like, James Hype can mix behind his back and, like, do all these crazy tricks. But, like, that's who he is. Like, that's what he's known for is being, like, an incredible person that can mix the board. Like, basically make music on the fly. Like, when people think that people make music on the fly as a DJ, James Hype actually does that. Like, he has, like, all four of his CDJs will have different, like, one will have a vocal, one will have a buildup. 
that dude makes music on the fly. It's incredible to watch him. But like people that are at New Bar and you're just like regularly mixing and stuff like that, like the only way to get to Brick would be like, I don't know, like do what I did, like Tuesdays every once in a while. It, like you pretty much just have to like show them. Well, how do you that, get like, Tuesdays? I mean, like you kind of just that. ask. I mean, like one of the New Bar DJs was just there on Tuesday because me and Cam didn't want to play. So like, I don't know, you just kind of just keep playing and then eventually like if say if i'm not available and cam's not available and like no one's available he has to call someone Mm -hmm. so i mean that could be that could be your shot pretty much because i mean that's what i was i mean i just cam eventually was like damn doing the 10 to 12 opening for myself sucks because like you don't get to play all the fun stuff you don't get to play like put big stuff big lights co2 cannons so like i did that for him and then they knew I could mix. They knew I knew what songs to play. So then they threw me on for full shows. But I mean, with the entirety of the music business, not just DJing, it's like, I am talking into the mic. Dude, you're talking around the mic. Okay, sorry. All right, there you but go. But I mean, it's all, it's all just ins, pretty much. You got to know someone that knows someone or you have to like have the direct like, line to them. But I don't know. It, it, it is a tough thing to do because like... You also got to have a pretty face like you. Yeah, thanks, babe. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean... <laughs> um yeah no i would say like it's it's just ends but you also have to realize that like not all the djs that play at brick are from oxford like they only have so many spots that they want to have filled like cam and they only want like at any time i feel like the max like students that they have on residency is like two yeah and it's like they would much rather have a bigger name than me play so like in reality like if I'm on the list of people that plays Friday and Saturdays, which are the biggest days, like with being so new, I'm at the bottom of that list. Like if someone's available that like is from out of town, like it's better to be like, Oh, this guy drove from Kentucky to be here. Even though that sounds so underwhelming that he drove from Kentucky to be here. But like, you know, it's just like, if you have a name on the marquee that people don't recognize and they start to see it more and more and they start to associate that person with that music, they're more inclined to go. So, I mean, like, that's where I hope to be when people see, like, Jeeb on the marquee and they come and they have a great time. That, like, because for the most part, I would say that 95% of those people aren't even going to realize that, like, you're the person that's playing over and over again. Like, you want to establish that correlation of being, like, yeah, that, like, Saturday that you and your friends had a great time. Like, that was me. I played that music. So, like, whenever people, like, compliment me in my shows, like, that's what I'm looking for to be like, okay, that show was successful. Everybody seems like they had fun. Like next time let's do it again, 10 times better pretty much. Okay. And so now let's hear about like producing. Cause like everyone, everyone thinks you're producing when you're like up there performing. Everyone that's an idiot thinks that you're up there like making this stuff live or like, right. Like making these remixes to songs like live. But like, I know, I don't know, just get into producing because I feel like a lot of people are very unaware of how it works. Right. So just for people that are DJing, um, it is almost impossible to become a famous DJ solely. Mm-hmm. You can become the most like famous DJ in your town. You can get all of your gigs in your city, like city, like all oh, the, like, the biggest bar wants me to play. Like, yeah, but like to get your name from just being in a state or like your tri-state area, you have to get into producing. And for those like music for idiots is that producing is you have to get a DAW, which is like FL Studio or Ableton or whatever the stupid Apple one is. But and a DAW is a digital 
something. I don't even know what it stands for. Pretty much, it's like it. What it's what holds D-A-W, all of like right. Yeah. So I mean, it's what holds all of your music. So like when like when I make EDM, all of my kicks, claps, snares, like synths, everything I have is on this doll. And basically, I just put puzzle pieces onto a screen, and it makes music. Like that's like the really simple way to put it. But like that's how you get noticed from just being a DJ. Like you'll see DJ slash producer. Like the only people that like like the more impressive thing is that this person succeeded in producing. Like if Marshmallow was just like a DJ that mixed and didn't make his own music, he would just be some goofball wearing a helmet playing to like two hundred like people crowds. But like. He produced music, and then fun fact, he's like the most famous DJ in India, like a producer. Like all, like most of his streams come from India. But like, which is insane. Yeah. So like, he's just like he's famous because he made like crazy music. So like, and that's what gets him on the stage or being like the number one DJ that year. Like David Guetta started in France, and like he just played to like small bars, and it wasn't until like. And he made a name for himself in France because he kind of started producing then and then he moves over to the United States. And then, you know, I mean, everybody knows Titanium. He's the one that made that. So Sia, reached out, he reached out to Sia. She came up with the lyrics. So like she would be the vocalist. So the vocalist actually makes the least amount of money most of the time when it comes to like when a song gets produced. It's like producer makes the most then it goes songwriter and then it goes vocalist. But Sia is a vocalist and a songwriter. So she got that. So like David Guetta like reached out to one of his friends who made the guitar riff for it. And then he took her vocals, put it all together. He added like the drop, which is the part where everybody jumps up and it's so much fun. That's like what producing is all about. Like you have to find someone who's a vocalist or I mean like you can make remixes where it's like you just rip someone else's song off the internet and you put your own spin on it. But like, you can get famous off of remixes, kind of. I mean, that's what Steve Aoki did with um, Kid Cudi. I mean, that blew up, like, that song. I mean, what'd you say? Like, what? Mem- that wasn't memory. Day- no, yeah, it was Day and Night. It's remix. Day and Night where yeah. it's like has, like, that long, drawn-out, like, synth. But, yeah, he got famous off that one. That was, like, a year after it released. Like, it didn't even get noticed. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, producing is, like, if you want to become, like, a big-name artist, you got to produce. So that's what separates it from being a dj dj you play music you cue it producing is you make it you make it from scratch and it takes a lot more effort because like instead of playing a four-hour show that like i could repeat over and over again when i make a song i have to sit there for like days at a time hours thinking like do i like sometimes you make like nothing like you just ended up like or you just you just make a project and you just like fuck it scrap it i have like 10 songs that like i just won't release because like you'll spend so much time and you'll be like eventually like what to avoid like that rick rick rubin book the one i like you gave me that i read like he explains it very well um like you for those of you that don't know rick rubin is like the biggest producer of all time like has the most uh like grammys and diamond and uh platinum um records under his name but yeah so like he writes in his book that like when you're making a song like um you can just like put so much heart into it but like you just have to like keep trying to be creative with it because you get to a certain point where you make a song and then you're like fuck i want to finish this and i want to produce it and then like once you reach that point you just start putting shit where like shit shouldn't be like then you listen to it in the morning and you're like this is garbage and then i put it in like basically in queue for whenever i want to get back to it and i'll start a new project if i'd like but yeah that's just kind of music producing you know you just gotta like i don't know just get like get creative like don't follow the rules is like the main thing it's like yeah there's like a bunch of rules in music but like what makes you unique is 
you don't want to copy someone else. Like, I don't know. Um, if we take Martin Garrix, Martin Garrix is the person that made a super saw, which is, I won't even get into it, but it's basically what makes a really loud noise that like Elenium uses. He was the first one to do that. So he became really famous on it. Elenium put his own spin on it. But like, if I were to take a super saw and make a song out of it, like it's, there's the chance of it blowing up is like it could, but like I would just be another jag off that just made a remix to the same song that everybody else has done and done the same shit. So you gotta be unique with it. Well, I've heard most producers just like, like, or, or just artists, music artists in general, like 90% of the shit that they write or produce just never goes out like ever. Yeah. Well, like if you like listen to rappers, like rappers that like pass away, like Mac Miller just dropped another album. It's cause like, yeah, like they fucking Juice World's been dropping shit. Dude, he's been dead for what, five years and he's still dropping shit every Yeah, it's because like when he's in like the studio, like he's just letting, sh- like he's just throwing shit at the wall seeing if it sticks. Mm-hmm. And like to him in that moment, he might be like, I don't like this. But then, you know, like now that he's gone, people listen to that music and they're like, wait, this is really good. And I guarantee if he was still here, it would probably still be under the works because to him, it probably was never finished. I agree. I don't think a lot of the stuff that's come out no. under his name would have been shit that he's like no, no, no. down for or like proud of. Yeah. Um, okay. And then last thing on the DJ topic. So like, where do you want to go with it? Or like, what would be your ideal career? Um, I don't know. I really like EDM. So, I mean, like the, like my dream would be where you almost wrapped up. No, I just, our, our good boy AJ over here is just giving us the time time frame we're working with. Go ahead. Word. Um, I mean, what I would like to do is like, you know, I'll be a physician's assistant if stuff doesn't work out. But like with like in college, like you have all these connections and like your goal is to like get a good team around you, which I feel like I've done pretty good at. Like I have like a team mm-hmm. around me that like helps me get publicity and stuff like that. Like with this day and age, like you have to be on social media, you have to be making music, you got to be like up basically a face in like the public. So, I mean, I'm trying to establish that, but like in the future, like I would much rather be able to like every day wake up, go to the gym and then sit in like a studio and meet a ton of different singers. So like that, like try to get like help people get their like voice out there that like maybe didn't have the chance. Like making music would be like, if I could do that, I would be the happiest man in the world because it would be like, I have control of everything I get to do. Like I work on my own time, but like I also get to like put stuff out there that like people will enjoy. Like you get to like make your own fan base and stuff like that. And like go to concerts and stuff like that. Like like my, if I could ever play at like Coachella or like Lollapalooza or Tomorrowland, like I would shit myself. I would be so excited. And I guess like, that's the point. Like that, that's where I want to get is like, I want to be a successful music artist I want to be like Benny Blanco where everybody loves him or like Post Malone now, like, like just such an innocent person up there. That's just like super kind to his fans. Like that's what I would want to be. I'd say, yeah, Post Malone, I have the most respect for because that dude looks like he would walk up to you on the street and fucking kill you and steal from you. But like, holy shit. No, he would like, he like probably collects butterflies like in his attic or something. I mean, the dude he just buys, like, he just is so sweet and just down to earth and doesn't, and he lives in what fucking like Utah or something. Cause he tries to stay away from all the clout chasing and all that yeah. shit that you oftentimes see when you're in the spotlight in the music industry. Yeah. He bought the, um, the helmet of Sauron from Lord of the Rings. It's on like a like, million dollars. Or dude, that shit's right? like, that's literally an artifact. I think it's a replica, but like, it's like a one for one replica of what that movie had. 
mm-hmm. and that's what I want to do. I want to buy the fucking Millennium Falcon from Star Wars and like put that in my backyard. That's what That'd I be want. Fire. That would be fire. Fucking fly. <laughs> okay, awesome. Um, okay, now I think that's basically wrapped up for the DJing and up and up portion. Now I just have some news stories that I wanted to talk about. So if, do you guys have anything else to add to up and up or DJing or music or anything like that? Thanks. All right. Um, but yeah, our story today is about, I just wanted to like, when we were watching the Browns game earlier today, I wanted to hear more about the Deshaun Watson story. So I did a little digging to get the, uh, the full scope of it. So here's the story I found from, I don't know, the guardian or like some fucking decent news source. Not daily mail. First. No, it's the first, but no, no, no. Livy Dunn or, oh. or Brecky, Brecky Hill. Okay. Thank God. <laughs> So it says, here's here's the story about Deshaun Watson, which he is... He saw his bathwater? Deshaun Watson? Yeah. I mean, probably. Oh, okay. I mean, he <laughs> loves massages, right? Yeah. There's actually like 30 cases of him getting yeah. happy ending Yeah, so that's, that's what we're going to talk about. Because I was, I, I, you brought that up and I didn't really know about it, so... I, I mean, I don't know much about it. Otherwise, that uh, you know, he likes getting jerked off after he's done getting a massage because he's a weirdo. Yeah. All right, so here it is. Mike Vick beat his dog, though. So, I mean, you can... A lot of quarterbacks yeah, are some tough shit, so... Yeah. All those tackles, all those concussions. Yeah. Okay. Amid the 24th active civil lawsuit filed against Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson, a new report from the New York Times, Jenny Vrintas, found that the 26-year-old booked sessions with at least 66 different women for massage therapy sessions in the span of 17 months. The report contradicts previous claims made by Watson that he booked appointments with 40 different massage therapists during his five seasons with Houston, Frentos found that the 66 women were booked between fall 2019 to spring 2021. Some of the 66 women reported similar troubling behavior from the former Texas quarterback. Watson is facing 24 active civil lawsuits filed by massage therapists, each detailing graphic accounts of sexual harassment and sexual assault that occurred during massage therapy sessions. The accounts range from Watson allegedly refusing to cover his genitals to the quarterback, (laughs) quote, touching a plaintiff with his penis and trying to force her to perform oral sex on him. Oh, my Uh, God. According to Vrentas, the 66 women include the 24 plaintiffs, as well as two women who filed criminal complaints against him, though they did not sue him. Another one of the women filed a suit against Watson, but withdrew her complaint due to, quote, privacy and security concerns days after judges ruled that the plaintiffs had to reveal their identities. The 66 also includes 15 therapists who gave statements of support for Watson, which were required by his attorneys, and at least four therapists from Genuine Touch, the massage therapy group contracted by the Texans. Five were identified during the plaintiff lawyer's investigation into the suits, and at least 15 other women were confirmed through interviews and records obtained by the Times. Most of the women did not sue or call the police after their sessions with Watson, but some told Vrentos that the former Texans quarterback came, quote, came looking for sex. In one instance, a physical therapist who did not sue Watson said that in the, in the three meetings with the quarterback, he initiated sexual contact in every encounter. So, yeah, I just think it's interesting that someone with this, I mean... I mean, it hasn't been proven yet, I guess, technically, but like... Dog, you just dude, read it that 66 women came out of it. Yeah, it's probably fucking true. It is true. And 
and he's still playing. Like I just yeah, and he still beat my home team. Yeah, yeah. Still fuck pissed. him, right? Yeah, he fucked. The, yeah, he fucked the Bengals today too. Yeah. <laughs> um, poor Joe Burrow. Yeah, but yeah, I just thought that was interesting. So I had some follow up questions on that. So. Do we think this is a common thing that athletes do, but yes. just usually get away with? Yes. Yes. Any follow up on that? I don't know. Like people with like high status, like in power, like abu- abuse it. So, like you've heard already, like. Well, okay. Actually, no. I can't say that. Um, but like even like trainers, like like college players. You've heard about trainers, like harassing their like players too so like anybody in power or just that has like um clout per se yeah yeah like they definitely take advantage of it and obviously i feel like it's hard to come out about that stuff because um it's they a have a lot of money that they could like yeah. use to like silence you yeah. it's just fucking like scary to think about mm. what i will say is like I mean, my opinion on it is, like, yeah, there are, like, some NFL players that, like, do this stuff. And, like, yeah, they're pieces of shit for doing it. But, like, you got to think that, like, they have, like, the public eye on them. Like, you got to think that there's, like, other people doing this. And, like, there are NFL players that get caught because they're in the NFL. Like, their name is all over the place. So, like, if people, like, Deshaun Watson did this. Like, yeah, he did that. And that's awful. But, like, there are other people doing it that just, like, aren't famous. Yeah. So, I mean, like, yeah. you see, like, these are regular people that, like, their job is the NFL. Like, they, they play football. That's all they do. And, like, yeah, some of them, like, go off and do stuff off the field that probably, you know, a sane human being wouldn't. But, like, it'd be, like, I don't know. I just think you kind of segregate that group if you, like, don't think that, like, other people in the world do that probably just as much. Yeah. Right. I... I don't know what I was going to add to that, actually. Um, but what are your guys' thoughts on, like, fame? And what do you think life would be like for you if you were famous? Or, like, how would you react to it, do you think? Probably a lot of massages. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> oh, my God. I just, like, if I was, like, my famous, like, I would want... Um, is that good? That's great. Okay. That's perfect. I would, like, obviously support my fans because they're the reason i'm famous in the first place and like people that are just like famous and like don't do anything for their fans like i'm like why are you fucking famous like like is beyonce a real person like low-key no she just like makes a lot of money yeah i don't know like there's certain artists that are like so big that i'm like they just like do it to make even more money than they already have like they don't give a shit about like who got them there in the first place also like industry industry plans too but um, what is what is an industry plan i keep hearing this shit about bobby Alhoff. like just she's. people that are like get famous but like they were like a fucking something made them famous like they didn't weren't really famous for like their talent necessarily i mean like actually no that's not true but like coincidence or luck yeah Especially just think about it, like a person that grows up with famous parents, like it's a lot easier for them to get famous than um, like a normal person who's working them their ways, their way up. So, yeah. Yeah. I'd probably just like get a guitar and then like sing about like all these like ex-boyfriends that like fucked me over and then probably go on like a massive tour and probably make like a billion dollars. But like I would pay the people on tour with me like very well, but I don't know, like at that point like yeah i'd probably just sing the same songs over and over again and probably just get like a massive fan base and like be like such like a girl boss i'd probably (laughs) i'd probably make like 10 minute videos and like 
just like bash my boyfriends from the past in them um, to make me feel better about myself and 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 move on to the next boyfriend and, and probably date like 24 guys in like a like a three-year period or something <laughs> yeah. like that if i get famous that we never mind <laughs> i don't even want to know what you're gonna say jenna ortega notice me please <laughs> i love jenna ortega um but yeah there's a lot there's a lot of like negative uh like things that come with fame i think everyone just not everyone, but a lot of people just want to be famous just because they're like, oh, it's fucking sick. Like, everyone loves me. But then you have, like, Joe Burrow who can't go to the grocery store Kruger with, like, a helicopter without a helicopter. Like Yeah, without the entire news station pulling up while this dude's trying to get groceries. Joe Burrow buys carrot at local Kroger. Wild. But I will say there's a lot of, like, like I know, like, a lot, of, just, like, from being in Cincinnati, like, a lot of the, uh, like, Trey Hendrickson, like, with, like, his fame and his money, like, he sets up, like, food drives and stuff like that. So, like, there's a lot of famous people that, like, yeah. do, like, a ton of good. And I think that, like, people that do bad things, like, totally, like, like topple all the good stuff that, like, rich yeah. people do do. Or, like, just people in, like, the public eye. What do you think about Joe Burrow getting, what, $275 million for five years? Why do you fucking need... Why do you need that much? Though? I know. I never understand What are you going to do... I don't get why agents negotiate for him to get that much money. What the fuck is he going to do with all that money? Especially because he seems like a humble guy that spends a lot of his time on training and shit. And yet he yeah. needs $275 million for five years just to go and lose his first game to the fucking Browns. Yeah. Well, what I'm going to say to you is if someone looked at you and went, do you want $275 million? Are you going to be like, no. Yeah, I mean, he's, dude, he's like fucking amazing quarterback. And like, I, I know like a bunch of Bengals fans are upset because like we're going to lose like T Higgins or like Boyd and stuff like that, which like, yeah, he like said he was going to take a pay cut. But like at the end of the day, like it is your job. Like that's like saying no to a raise pretty much. So like these are like these are. But also a lot of the time it's not them offering it. It's your agent. Uh, I guess I guess that's I guess that's your agent's there to get you paid and your agent wants more money and he gets a cut out of what he negotiates so that's probably why a lot of it works out the way it does because of the agent that's why you'll see players like we had like Jesse Bates on the Bengals who was like one of our like star safeties and he like loved the Bengals he he went to the I think it's the Falcons but like that's because his agent who's also the same agent as T Higgins so I don't know if he'll be staying with us but like He's like, basically, your agent's going to look at you and be like, hey, do you want to make like 200 like million, not 200 million, but like 20 million more? Like, go to this team. Like, like they're there to like benefit themselves, but also benefit you. Like, at the end of the day, right, like, it's, it's not like, oh, my heart and soul's with this team. It's like, this is my job going wherever the money's at. But you, sometimes you have people that aren't like that. Like, Tom Brady, for like the longest time, took a bunch of pay cuts to keep his team. But that's because Tom, Tom Brady in the pay- constantly the knew that he was going to go to the Super Bowl and make so much fucking money off endorsements and winning and like basically winning like the world championship, even though it's only in America. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Did you hear, um, Jamar, Jamar chase after the game, he said, quote, <laughs> I'm just frustrated because I called their asses elves and we just lost to some elves quote. Yeah. Is that what it is? Is an elf? Is that their, I don't know. They're the like Browns? the elf. They're the bulldogs. They're, they're the, the Browns. Browns. They're, they're brown and orange and yeah helmet and yeah they just got the ugly ass jerseys i like nick chubb though nick chubb's kind of scary nick chubb is the entire browns team dude's literally a walking thumb dude's massive whatever happened to um johnny manzel i never really who johnny manzel right the quarterback from five years ago or whatever that got dropped from the team 
Oh, I have no clue. I don't follow whoever team that is. Oh, AJ is saying drinking from behind the scenes. He is an alcoholic. Okay, word. All right. Um, Marshawn Lynch used to take like a, a shot of whiskey before going on the field. That was his like his pregame ritual. You want to see some funny stuff? Look up pregame rituals for like some NFL football players. Some of them do. What's some your What's your pregame rit- ritual for um for DJing? Isn't it like playing like first day first day out? But it's like a remix, so it's like it's like a, it's like a knockoff of first day out. What's it called? No, no, you don't want to. It's just funny, dude. I don't do that. Usually, I just like cry and get super upset and like sit in my room with some blue lights on. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. Respect. Yeah. Listening to Shake It Off. <laughs> Listening to All Too Well, which sucks, by the way. That's the a terrible version. song. Fucking 10 minutes about me bitching. On loop. God, it's fucking horrible. Okay, sorry. Um, okay. Well, yeah, that's kind of all I got for that. Um, yeah. So our quote of the week is by Jay Shetty. Um if you want to leave a lasting impression on others, the best way to do it is not to try and impress them. New song of the week is Summertime Friends by the Chainsmokers. And I'm going to just read off like what Drew, like the Chainsmoker guy, said about, like, upset about the song on, um, on his Instagram, like, caption for it. Because the Chainsmokers are probably, like, Gabe and I's, one of Gabe and I's, like, favorite artists. So, like, yeah. I fucking bow down to them. But anyway, I just thought this was, like, really cool for him to like make this post because it's pretty vulnerable and shit but he said so this is what this is what the instagram caption says says cringe but important post alert i fell in love with this girl named mari last spring which you probably know by now if you've been following this page for the last six months a few weeks after we started hanging out i was in new york city in the studio and i wrote this song called summertime friends about the night we met i had run into her at this party in la classic we had known each other in passing for a couple of years, but never had a substantial conversation. She said hi to me at the bar where I was stuck making small talk with a couple I didn't really know. She looked so beautiful, way out of my league, and in my memory, a foot taller than me. We stepped aside and ended up talking way too long and far deeply, far too deeply for this type of party. Fartably. <laughs> she told me about her family, her ambitions, and that she didn't believe true love existed. It was laughable Doesn't. how much we had in common. I remember thinking, quote, how how has it taken this long for us to talk? I think I knew then that we were supposed to be together. Luckily, I had the courage to ask for a number at the end of the night, and luckily she was feeling open-minded. The song ends there, so I guess that makes this post a spoiler alert. I love writing about small moments, especially ones with tension like this. I hope it makes you feel something. It's out now everywhere. And this is the first song that they've released in probably five years that sounds the way that like closer did yeah in my opinion they like drifted off of like what closer and like roses were because i mean I they love roses for anybody that's unaware that the chain smokers wrote selfie song that like <laughs> let yeah. me take a selfie it's a meme it yeah. was a publicity first of all, stunt that worked incredible publicity stunt basically they sent it to a bunch of like influencers and it was like hey make this video so basically they got super famous off of that and then they dropped roses which is like an actual well, they got song. signed to a label off of selfie and then they got dropped from the label because they were like this is you're gonna make shitty music yeah. is what they thought yeah and they wrote like roses which has like over a billion views oh, yeah. and then they wrote closer which, which has, has two over billion. like two billion views and then they get the lead singer of coldplay his name is not fucking doesn't matter to, chris chris it's chris i know it's chris something but then he writes um chris brown something just like this yeah yeah so like that song like they literally just had like a beat already said that they like they had been working on because like a lot of like artists will just like 
in the moment, like you like think of a thought, you gotta go write it down because you're gonna forget yeah. it. So they had like this entire beat lay, like laid out and they showed it to Chris, who's the lead singer of the chain, uh, sorry, uh, Coldplay. And Chris Martin. Yeah, Chris Martin, there you go. Yeah, love him. But, and he listened to it and went, oh yeah, this is gonna be sick. And then they write yeah. that and it just fucking blows up. So it's crazy. Like they went from being like nobodies. Like that's what it takes is like you go from being a nobody to getting oh, they'd like, send, like 2,000 emails every what every yeah like you have like, to work every single week to just random venues random celebrities random people just to try to get their name out there yeah and so like when you do get noticed by like that big time artist because like roses is one of their friends singing like yeah it's not even like she was not famous at all and then like like it, you don't even need like a famous name to get out there like being like blowing up is you got to get noticed and then you release a song and then like that like you just it's just constantly going upwards because then they kind of had that downward spiral because they were doing stuff that they liked which was they went into like more edm than like they went from like yeah they went from like right before covid it was just all stuff that like we're dropping this because well we like it but also we think it's gonna do pretty fucking good and most of them did like most of the albums and then covid hit and then they went to fucking what hawaii for two years and then just like didn't post anything for two or three years and then their next album that they came out with after covid was like way more experimental and like we're doing whatever the fuck we want because we have so much money and so many connections like well i think it's less that but then um like you make the music you want to as soon as you start trying to conflict you when you make a fan base you're making your own music you don't listen to anything what anybody says and you create a fan base because they love you. They love your music. As soon as you start trying to like please like crowds, you're gonna make shit music because you won't even enjoy making it. So I think that like now like he had like 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 you just read like he had an experience, wrote a song about it, and that's like way more emotional, which is exactly what closer is. If you like go look, listen to a video of like how he wrote it and like how like his lyrics came up, like he has an entire story behind it. That's how most things are. So like edm can kind of just be different. Where like I don't know, you kind of just like a lot of it's like some of the songs like you'll have like some like from like tiesto which like repeats the same thing over again knock two who i love most of his songs is like probably two sentences that can be chopped up replayed over and over again but he focuses on he likes making drops yeah. and he likes making a lot of like sound and that's what he does so he loves that but then you have like the chain smokers where like they want to make like really emotional like lyrics put a beat behind it and then make it so i don't know you, like it just depends on the artist but you can never just like go out to please your fans you have to like make a song you love and then just put it out and people like you because of what you put out. Yeah. Right. Okay, word. Yeah, I just wanted to read that post off because I thought it was... This is the first song I've heard from them since, like, the recent album that I was like, oh, I feel like this song might blow up. Yeah, I hope so. I really like yeah. this song. And I, I love both those guys. Like, I've, I've always been a big fan. But, yeah, thanks for listening. Go follow us on Instagram and TikTok at OverstemPod. Follow Up and Up Oxford. Check out our Spotify profile at Overstimulated. Stay safe. Have a great week. And remember to step out of your comfort zone and try new things. Pre-sale for Up and Up tickets. Go on sale 4 p.m. on September 12th this Tuesday. Go out and buy those. They'll run out quick. September 13th. Is it September 13th? I think it definitely is. It's September 13th on the Wednesday. Okay. Um. Well, thank God. Um... (laughs) Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.